staying low now. I've been working long like a marathon now. Tying up ones, making them a bomb now. Tell me, tell me, who turned on the alarm now? I got a message, we didn't put it in a song now. I'll see you later, all the haters got it wrong now. We're touching the lightning. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, we are kicking off the road to WrestleMania with a full recap of the 2019 WWE Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And let me tell you, there's a lot of crazy shit that went down at this pay-per-view last night, and I cannot wait to get started. So we're just going to jump right in with the first official match of the evening because I mentioned before many many times during these pay-per-view recaps we don't do the pre-show around here pre-show don't mean nothing the kickoff show don't mean nothing we don't give a flying fuck about the kickoff or the pre-show here on the Boochcast. we focus on the main card I look at it like this if a match ain't good enough to be on the main card it ain't worth talking about so we jump into the first official match of the evening for the Smackdown Women's Championship Oscar puts the title on the line against Becky Lynch. Now, of course, uh, as I was hanging out with my buddies uh, watching this um, pay-per-view, we were shocked that this was the opening match. But at the same time, we were also extremely excited because we figure if they're opening the match with this, maybe that means... Asuka could very well be retaining the title. And damn it, if that's not exactly what happened. After a hellacious back and forth match that is truly deserving of being the main event on the show. Asuka and Becky Lynch giving it everything they got. This was basically a match full of uh, mostly submissions and violent beatdowns. These women brought it to each other in a way I had never seen before out of these two women. They gave it everything they had and laid it all out there in the ring with multiple counters. There were Asuka locks that looked like that looked like Becky Lynch 
clinch, could tap out, but she was able to fight her way out. At one point, she even flipped over and tried to get a pinfall, which I thought would have been a crazy way to finish that match. At one point, uh, you know, of course, Becky lost into this armor, but Asuka always found her way to the ropes. At one point, they stole each other's submission holds and thought, holy crap, this could be the end. But in the end, Asuka takes Becky down, applies the Asuka lock, but then kind of flips over and does like an Asuka lock last chancery combo. Kind of similar to how Austin Aries would apply the last chancery. That's kind of what Asuka did. And in the end, Becky Lynch tapped out and Asuka successfully retained the title. Now, I was very surprised to see a tap out. And some people thought that that was a disappointing uh, moment. But obviously, as I mentioned before, I didn't want Becky Lynch to win this match. I didn't even want Becky Lynch to be in this match in the first fucking place. Because I felt her place should be in the Royal Rumble. So a part of me's thinking, okay, with Asuka still the champion and this being the opening contest, maybe, just maybe, Becky Lynch might find her way into the Women's Royal Rumble. So for the first time in a very long time, I was happy to see Becky Lynch lose a match. And I felt WWE did the right thing. Now, I kind of would have preferred either a pinfall or maybe Becky Lynch passing out to the Oscar lock. But Becky, in my opinion, tapping out, it doesn't really harm her. Provided that she enters the Royal Rumble, I don't think this is something that could potentially hurt her. Because Asuka is a tough competitor. Asuka has tapped out a lot of people. And, assuming that Becky, if she goes into the Royal Rumble, ends up challenging Ronda Rousey, that means Asuka's gonna be left on her own with a with a new, with a SmackDown opponent that she's gonna need for WrestleMania. Assuming she's the champion going into WrestleMania. So, it makes sense for Asuka to look strong on SmackDown when she takes on her next potential contender. Whether at Elimination Chamber or at Fastlane and inevitably at WrestleMania. So I thought, and also the fact that Asuka had to do a Asuka lock last chancery combo to make Becky tap out, the fact that it took her going to, taking her Asuka lock to another level and applying more pressure, I believe in the long run, it makes, it just makes for a much better match and told a much better story. But these women definitely brought the fight and the crowd was on their feet for Becky Lynch. The entire building was so pro Becky it was insane so it's one of those moments where they were slightly disappointed that Becky lost this match but it meant that something better could be coming around the corner provided that WWE creative actually listens to their audience but of course we might have to dig a little deeper into this show before we can answer that so of course Oscar's celebrating with her title belt after the match Becky doesn't look happy but but like I said before, I was glad Asuka won because that meant something special could happen later. So on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the SmackDown Tag Team title. The Bar, Cesaro and Sheamus defend the titles against the co-besties, The Miz and Shane McMahon. First of all, let me just say, I love the fact that Miz and Shane came out in matching shirts. Granted, you know, Miz still had his tights, Shane still wore his, you know, pants and his shoes and all that, but they came out in like, you know, like Shane O'Mac and Miz O'Mac, like they did, they did, they came out at least looking a little bit like a tag team, uh, you know, at, at the very least. Then of course the bar comes out, does their thing. Then, of course, Miz and Shane hug Miz's dad at ringside before the match. And I like the fact that the Miz's dad was ringside for that match because I felt it added to the story, you know, because the whole thing was about the Miz talking about his dad and how his dad, you know, was never really truly proud of him and, you know, kind of looked at his success as meh, but thought that if he teamed with Shane, it would be the coolest thing in the world and would do wonders for his career. And the Miz gave that heartfelt speech that convinced Shane McMahon to give Miz an opportunity like, hey, let's do this. Let's see how it goes. So to have Miz's dad at ringside, I think added more emotion to the story. And these 
guys right out of the bat were looking for a fight. Shane immediately spears Sheamus down. Then, of course, you know, Shane ha- Sheamus has a regroup. Miz and Cesaro tag in. Mix. Miz was going for a figure four. Like, the second that bell rang, those guys were looking to, to go for the victory very, very quickly. Now, of course, Sheamus and Cesaro were able to fight out. Now, obviously, Sheamus and Cesaro have much more experience as a tag team. So, obviously, they did a lot of double team moves, and obviously, their chemistry was on point. But the Miz and Shane definitely were fighters in this match. Miz hitting everything he's got. Shane Shane doing his thing. The strikes. The coast-to-coast. The triangle choke in the middle of the ring. Shane is basically trying to show people, look, I can wrestle with the big boys. I can fight with the best of them. And it's believable because Shane is known for being a badass. He's had brutal matches with Kurt Angle, with The Big Show, with The Big Red Machine Kane, with AJ Styles, with The Undertaker. Shane has never been afraid to step in the ring and whoop some ass. Hell, he beat Dolph Ziggler to win that Best in the World trophy when The Miz got injured and Shane decided to take his place. So, it's not outside the realm of possibility for Shane to be able to put a beat down on these guys. Then, of course, in the end, the the finish was the best. You know, Shane is tagged in, they double-team Shane, and then eventually Sheamus looks for the big boot on Shane, but Miz makes the save and drops. Basically, here's what happens. The Miz, Biz Miz basically like pushes Shane out of the way or something, so that way when Sheamus hits the bro kick, he hits Cesaro, then the Miz drops him with a skull-crushing finale, and then they kind of they both kind of roll out of the ring after that. Shane goes up top, hits a shooting star press on Cesaro, gets the one, two, three, the winners and the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Miz and Shane McMahon. And of course, the Miz is ecstatic after the three count. He grabs the tag belts and celebrates with Shane. They go out to, Miz, to ringside to celebrate with the Miz's dad in the front row. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I wanted to see this so badly. Words cannot describe how happy I was to see the Miz and Shane McMahon win those belts. For the first time in my entire life as a wrestling fan, as a WWE fan, the Miz won a match and I was actually happy. Because normally when The Miz wins a match, I'm pissed the fuck off. I'm throwing shit. I'm kicking shit. I'm cussing at the TV. I'm losing my goddamn mind. Because I've never been a fan of The Miz. Never going to be. In fact, one of the things, that was actually a debate that I got into with uh, Steven while I was at the uh, watch party. Like, you know, a lot of people complain that I'm, you know, (laughs) that I'm not, that I'm a little biased when it comes to The Miz. And that I'm, you know, a lot of people feel like I, that I need to do a lot of un biased analyzing and here's the thing for the most part I do you know I try to be as unbiased as I can but here's the thing I have personal issues with a lot of wrestlers and sometimes that gets in the way of what I'm doing at the end of the day this is the Boochcast. I'm giving my opinion my thoughts and everything else so um, it's at the end of the day it's my show I'm gonna say whatever the hell I want but I'm not a fan of the Miz and you know I think he is in general shitty in the ring and he does not entertain me at all however I can't can give credit where credit is due with this storyline because The Miz has actually entertained me with this storyline. To be honest, this is the first time in all the years The Miz has been in the WWE, this is the first I've ever been truly entertained by The Miz. This storyline, this tag team with Shane McMahon has my attention. It's one of the few things in WWE that does have my attention. And the thing is, as a Miz hater, I wanted to hate this. I wanted to shit all over this. I wish there was something about this segment for me to shit on. Or in the words of trying to insult comic dog, for me to poop on. But there isn't. The chemistry between Miz and Shane is amazing. The way they built this up has been hilarious and entertaining. Miz and Shane as the tag team champions right now is best for business. And I admit I'm a little selfish with it. Because I feel if the Miz is a tag team champion, he's nowhere near the WWE title. Which is where I don't want him to be. And with Shane McMahon being a former hardcore champion and a former European champion it makes sense for him to hold a tag team title, you know? And the Miz, and like I said, the tag team division on SmackDown, it needed some spicing up because that was what the one of the things that Gallison Anderson kept saying was that for weeks it's always been the Bar, the Usos, and the New Day. Those are the only guys that have been getting tag team title shots. They're the only ones that have been wearing the tag team title belts. And after a while, it gets boring seeing the same teams fight, especially when SmackDown has a lot of good 
solid tag teams. So to add The Miz and Shane McMahon into the mix makes it better, especially when A, both those guys work well together, and B, they're incredibly entertaining. And they have, and the, the storyline is something you can get behind. The Miz is making himself relatable to where he's basically trying to impress his dad. He's seeking his father's approval by teaming with Shane McMahon. And to see The Miz's dad be proud of them helps build up The Miz. I look forward to seeing what happens going forward with them as tag team champions. I want to see what kind of challenges they're going to have down the road. But more importantly, I want to see how long this tag team is going to last. And I truly hope it lasts a long time. Because there's been a lot of rumors that The Miz and Shane might face each other one-on-one at WrestleMania. I really hope not. I hope they are tag team champions for a long time. Because I feel like both these guys could knock this out of the park. And that's the nicest thing I've ever said about The Miz. That he has a segment that he can knock out of the park. And he's doing very well. And I gotta give it to him. I won't give it to him for the other things. Because I thought everything else he's done up to this point has been shit. And I'll always say that. Because I believe it to be true. And, you know, from time to time. I can give my thoughts and opinions on my own show. But I gotta admit. I love what I'm seeing. And so far in this pay-per-view. I've been getting what I want. And on that note. I'm gonna move on to the next match of the evening. For the Raw Women's title. Ronda Rousey. Rousey defends the title against Sasha Banks. This match, dare I say, and I tried not to post this on Twitter. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Vince Bucci. Uh, if you happen to, you know, follow me on Twitter, you can live chat with me uh, during the show. I, I post tweets of results and everything, and I put little funny hashtags as I'm, you know, you know, watching the pay per view. And I tried not to post this because I wasn't sure yet if this deserved the particular compliment that I'm about to give it, but after watching the whole pay-per-view, I can say it now. This right here was the match of the night. It was. I will be so bold as to say, Ronda Rousey and Sasha Banks tore the house down. That was the match of the night. Excluding the Royal Rumbles which are always exciting but they're in a class all their own as far as title matches this was the match of the night these two women created doubt told a story used submissions galore and damn near killed each other Sasha Banks got violent with her submissions locking in submissions damn near bending back fingers damn near you know ready to kill Ronda doing her finishing move which she now calls the Piper's Pit which I think is great it's another homage to Roddy Piper which is what Ronda Rousey does when she goes out to the ring that's why her shirt is kind of similar to Roddy's that's why she wears the, the the kilt when she goes out to the ring sometimes you know she's called Rowdy Ronda Rousey but here's the thing Roddy Piper gave her permission to use that name and Piper legitimately loved Ronda Rousey so when people say Piper would have been okay with this there's evidence that he would have been okay with this So in no way, shape, or form is she ripping off Roddy Piper or insulting him. And this proves that Ronda has gotten so much better in the ring. Because she got tested against the boss, Sasha Banks, who has been an incredible worker since she got to WWE. Her and Bayley tore the house down at the first TakeOver Brooklyn, which I think was the first NXT TakeOver show, period. Her and Bayley tore the house down. Sasha has been involved in incredible matches. She's already a four-time Raw Women's Champion. Ronda Rousey got taken to her limit. Now most people say that at Survivor Series Charlotte took her to the limit and she did but Sasha Banks took Ronda to a whole nother level and unlike the match with Charlotte this was actually entertaining and there was actually a definitive finish where at one point you know Ronda looked for a slam, Sasha reversed into a cross body then transitioned to the bank statement, Ronda broke free, Sasha applied and then Sasha switched to an arm bar, Ronda fought back, hit the Piper's Pit, got the one, two, three, the winner and still Raw Women's Champion, Ronda Rousey. And just how I was a little shocked to see Asuka tap out Becky, I was even more shocked that Ronda won this match by pinfall. Because lately, she's been locking in the armbar and tapping people out. This time around, she actually pinned somebody, which I thought was interesting. She couldn't get Sasha to tap out, so she just knocked her out with the Piper's Pit and got the pinfall victory. Then after the match, Ronda and Sasha show each other respect. Ronda helps Sasha out of the ring. Ronda kisses her husband at ringside after the match. Sasha turns back around on the ramp and comes back to ringside to shake Ronda's hand. So basically, Ronda earned the respect of the boss, Sasha Banks. Sasha realized she gave everything she had and Ronda was simply better. This was the best way to help build 
build Ronda Rousey's credibility to show that Ronda Rousey is a great wrestler and a badass. Most people should know by now she's already a badass, but unfortunately some people still need convincing. And I was convinced that Ronda belonged in WWE at WrestleMania in New Orleans because her and Kurt Angle against Triple H and Stephanie was the match of the night. It was the best match on that entire card. Out of all the matches that took place in New Orleans, that crowd was more excited, more on their feet, and more amped up for that mixed tag match than anything else that happened on that card before or after. Ronda Rousey is a star. Ronda Rousey is money. Ronda Rousey belongs in the WWE. And if you weren't convinced before, you sure as shit are now. If you're a true fan of wrestling, there is no way you can watch that match between Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey and not give Ronda her props. Because if I can give The Miz props for what he's doing with Shane, there's no reason why you can't give Ronda her props for this amazing match with Sasha. Like I said, this was the match of the night. Nobody put on a better match than those two women. They were phenomenal. That was the true epitome of women's wrestling. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got the Women's Royal Rumble match. Damn, this match was amazing. Lacey Evans, first one out, gets on the mic, tells everyone they're about to witness history, and she's the only true lady on WWE. Natalia comes out second, and and the fight begins. And there was so much craziness that took place in this match. We saw people from Raw, SmackDown, of course, Nikki Cross and Lacey Evans, who haven't been placed on any brands yet. They were both in this match. We saw some women from the Mae Young Classic. We saw some NXT girls come in. We saw people from NXT UK. I mean, it was insane. Kyrie Sane was in there. Uh, Rhea Ripley, that who I'm convinced looks like a dude. I'm like, there's no way that, like, like, there's no way she wasn't a guy. She looks totally like a guy. We're still convinced of that. Like, that's one of those things where it's like, we would have to get, like, a gynecologist and find out, like, does she have a vagina? And if she does, is it a normal vagina or one that is like from a post-op surgery because there's because n- she totally looks like a dude and then there was this one girl i can't remember her name but she was like a little short girl like really really short like a spinner as people would say as desmond would so eloquently put it but she i remember at one point she was outside the ring on her hands and she put her legs up by the ring post and like wrapped her legs around the ring post and then sat and then did a sit up and grabbed the ring post and got back in the ring let me tell you something that was the the sexiest thing I had seen on WWE since the Attitude Era. Not since the Attitude Era had seen something that sexy that was such a fucking turn on. Oh my god. If it wasn't so fucking cold outside, I'd have got a boner. The only thing that stopped me from getting a boner during this match was the fact that it was how fucking cold it is outside. That's literally the only thing that stopped me. Because a lot of these girls in this match were doing some sexy, sexy shit. And in the end, they were beating the hell out of each other. So, uh, there were eliminations galore, surprise entrance. But here's the thing. There were no nostalgia acts in this rumble. No legends of any kind. No female legends. It was just Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, Mae Young Classic. They somehow managed to get enough women to where they could fill the rumble without having to call a bunch of legends like they did last year. And I give props for that. And then of course Lana is coming in and she draws number 28. And Lana is literally limping to the ring and barely able to make it down there. Apparently she got gotten injured during the pre-show. She had something happen while she was, while uh, Rusev and Nakamura were fighting. I think Lana got hit or something. I can't remember. And to be honest, I didn't really care. But Lana was limping. And at one point, she just fell to the ground and she was writhing in pain. And officials came out and they were trying to help her. And of course, the other women were getting in the ring. The other two women were getting in the ring. Carmella and whoever number 29 was. I can't remember who. And then all of a sudden, Becky Lynch comes out. And, you know, she She's out there. She comes down and uh, she tells Finley she wants to take Lana's spot in the match. And of course, like the crowd is cheering like crazy and Becky's trying to get to listen to the crowd. Everyone's cheering for Becky. Everyone's going nuts. Everyone's amping up. And then Finley finally just says, go. And then Becky runs down to the ring. They play her music and she takes Lana's place in the rumble. And we see all the craziness, the excitement. We see a stare, an epic stare down between Nia Jax and Becky Lynch. 
because of all the crazies they went through. They start fighting. Everything goes nuts. At one point, uh, Becky knocks Nia out to the floor for elimination. And then it comes down to just Becky and Charlotte Flair in the ring. Nia attacks Becky before she leaves. And she appears to be selling a knee injury now. Becky finally limps back in the ring. Charlotte Mia attacks her bad knee. And these two proceed to kill each other. And I can tell you right now, me and the gang, we were on the edge of our fucking seats. I shit you not, we were on the edge of our seats for this match. Because we knew, we had a feeling, either Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch was going to win this match. Elvis and Steven thought Alexa Bliss would win. Shows how smart they are. But we knew it was going to be one of these women. And that one of these women would go to challenge Ronda Rousey. And even though in the prediction competition, I picked Charlotte Flair, I wanted Becky Lynch. I only picked Charlotte because, like I said before, I was convinced that WWE was going to fuck this up. I was convinced that the creative team was going to shove the false flare down our throats. But just when I think they're going to shove the false flare down our throats, WWE somehow manages to swerve me. In the end, Charlotte goes for a big boot and misses. Becky throws Charlotte out of the ring, gets eliminated. And the winner of the 2019 Women's Royal Rumble, Becky Lynch. Becky celebrated the match and looks shocked. She's still selling the knee injury. And this goes on for a long time because the building went crazy. The crowd came unglued. They were cheering the loudest I'd ever seen a building cheer in a long time. And they were all in support of Becky Lynch. And I remember we all jumped up and down and we were hugging and celebrating. The way we were celebrating, you would have thought the Falcons won the Super Bowl. Now keep in mind I'm saying that because I live in Atlanta, even though I've gone on record and saying I'm not a diehard Falcons fan. Although I'll take a little step here and I will say in regards to Super Bowl coming up uh, this Sunday, I will say that for one day, for one day only, I will be cheering for the Rams because I fucking hate the Patriots. But that's another story for another day. Um, my big thing is. Uh, you would have thought the Falcons won the Super Bowl. That's how loud, that's how happy we were. We were cheering, we were celebrating. This was the happiest that we all as a group had ever been. Because finally, the creative team did something right. Finally, they gave us what we wanted. Now, even though we got Becky Lynch winning the Rumble, now I'm concerned with the road to WrestleMania. Because as long as Becky was in that ring, we thought maybe Charlie Caruso or somebody was going to come over and interview Becky and maybe that's the moment and I felt like with that crowd as excited as they were that was the moment that Becky should have said I choose Ronda Rousey and we're gonna fight at Wrestlemania I felt that was the moment to do it who knows maybe she'll do it tonight on Raw maybe she'll announce it the tomorrow on Smackdown Live who knows maybe she'll drag it out for a long period of t for a little bit longer but my hope and prayer is that a she chooses Ronda Rousey and they don't make Becky go for the Smackdown title but I'm all also hoping that at some point during the road to WrestleMania, they do not make this a triple threat match. Right now, those are the only two things that I'm worried about. And we still got two more pay-per-views left before WrestleMania. We got the Elimination Chamber on February 17th, and we got Fastlane, which is happening sometime in March. I don't know the exact date yet. Once I get it, I will of course remember to mark it down on my calendar to make sure that I know I'm going to be seeing the event, hopefully. If I am, I am. If I'm not, so be it. But but I will say this. This is one road to WrestleMania I am most looking forward to. And my primary focus is on the women. Because I want to make sure that WWE does not fuck this up. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. If Charlotte ends up breaking the streak of Ronda Rousey, I am done with WWE. If they fuck this match up and make it a triple threat, I'm already going to be pissed. But if Charlotte wins that triple threat, I'm done with WWE if they do that. So we got one problem down. Now let's hope. We can get to MetLife Stadium on April 7th with just Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. This is our chance to make that happen. We've already took care of the most important part. Now we've got to put the final pieces of the puzzle together. Here's hope. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the WWE Championship. Daniel Bryan defends the title against AJ Styles. Now, this match was decent. It was actually a really good match. The only problem is... 
after Becky Lynch won the Royal Rumble, the fans were so drained by their excitement that they were pretty much dead when this match took place. The fans were not into this match at all. First of all, they'd already seen it before. Second of all, Becky Lynch had just won the Rumble. They had screamed as loud as they possibly could. It was that moment, not just the Rumble match, but that moment was impossible for any of them to follow. But of course, Daniel Bryan and AJ, to everyone's shock and surprise, had a pretty long match. They were out there for quite a while, and I wasn't expecting that. I thought it'd be at least like a decent, like maybe 12, 15 minute match tops, because we still got the men's Royal Rumble to contend with. But they let these two go all out. And it was basically just a, I don't want to say technical masterpiece, but it was definitely one of the most, one of the more technical matches that I'd ever seen. And obviously, I expect nothing less with Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, but it was way more technical and way more intense than the last match they had at TLC. So I give them credit. They up, they up, they up the ante and gave us something better and different. Probably because Daniel Bryan's really come into his own as a heel. AJ Styles has this new attitude. So they were really starting to go after each other. Like Styles doing everything he can to get the um to get the calf crusher in. You know, Bryan going for the less lo- yes lock. AJ reversing to the calf crusher. Bryan had him to grab the ropes to break it. Uh, Styles almost going for a Styles class off the second rope, which I thought was a little risky. But the craziest part of the whole match was Eric. Rowan walking down the ramp, coming out to ringside, and then when AJ hit the Styles Clash on Brian, Rowan runs in, hits a choke slam on AJ Styles. Rowan rolls out of the ring. Brian pins AJ for the three count as the ref comes to his senses. So the winner and still WWE champion, Daniel Bryan. After the match, Rowan gets in the ring and picks up AJ. Brian charges and boots AJ in the face. Brian lifts up his title belt and celebrates with Rowan. Now the now obviously, as we know, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. I think one of them was injured. I can't remember which one. But both of them have been out of action. You know, as the Bludgeon Brothers. Well, obviously, it doesn't seem like the Bludgeon Brothers still exist. Eric Rowan came out with a flannel shirt on. Similar to how Daniel Bryan used to always dress. Now, obviously, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan used to be in the Wyatt family together. Daniel Bryan was briefly a part of the Wyatt family. So, obviously, a lot of people are assuming that this is a new version of the Wyatt family Daniel Bryan's forming. I don't know. Maybe Eric Rowan's suddenly becoming a environmentalist who wants to help take care of the planet. I honestly, I mean, it it could be a possibility. And of course, you know, obviously I'm hoping that he forms a faction. I'm hoping Luke Harper comes back and he forms something with him and they just find some way to handle it. And I would call them, I would go with the Planet Tears. Which I know is kind of like a, a, a version of what Captain Planet, the TV show, used to have. But I would go with Planet Tears because Daniel Bryan prides himself on being the planet's champion. So to call his faction the Planet Tears, I think, would be a smart move. I think it'd be a great name. I, I think that the Captain Planet franchise would be okay with them using that. And I think in the long run, it'll be entertaining. But I'm definitely intrigued to see how Eric Rowan's going to contribute to this. And I'm hoping this will somehow end the feud between Brian and Styles. Now, I'm pretty sure Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles are going to have at least one more fight. They'll probably fight again in Elimination Chamber. Either that'll be on an episode of SmackDown. But I do know this. If they fight again at the Chamber, that has to be the last match between them. Otherwise, it's just gonna get boring as fuck. It's gonna get boring. It's gonna get stale. It's gonna get stupid. It's kind of already there. But with Eric Rowan interfering, they are setting themselves open to do one more match, even though they don't do rematch clauses anymore. And Styles technically had to earn that spot. Maybe they'll give him one more chance because of the interference and maybe ban Rowan from ringside. I don't know. I just know that hopefully this rivalry ends soon and hopefully Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan come out on top. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening for the Universal title. Brock Lesnar defends the gold against Finn Balor. Once again, I thought the match was going to be shitty. And once again, admittedly, I was proven wrong. Now, I had the same attitude about this that I did about Daniel Bryan, the match with Daniel Bryan Survivor Series. Even though I enjoyed what I saw, I still did not want Finn Balor to beat Brock Lesnar. I don't believe that 
that would be legitimate. Especially with Finn Balor not coming out as the demon, which I thought was stupid. But I will say, they allowed Finn Balor to do a lot of stuff in this match. Like, he's literally hitting a fury of strikes to Brock. Hits a series of kicks. A running drop kick. Of course, Brock hits a belly-to-belly suplex when he catches him for a sling blade. Then at one point, he, you know, Brock throws Finn into the barricade at ringside and hits a belly-to-belly on the floor. And then, at one point, Brock shoves Balor, Brock, Balor shoves Brock into the corner of the table, the turnbuckle, and Brock's selling this major ribs, rib injury, and he's trying to hit, like, F5s and trying to do other moves, but he's, like, in legit pain. Like, Brock Lesnar's really selling for these, for these small guys, which you don't expect Brock Lesnar to do. I forget Brock Lesnar even knows how to sell, because he's usually the no-sell king, but, you know, obviously he goes for an F5, Finn reverses into a DDT, stomps on Brock's midsection, Brock eventually is able to, you know, come back to his senses. At one point, Balor hits a running drop kick. Finn goes up. Brock tries to roll away. Finn hits him with the coup de gras and gets great distance. Like, from the turnbuckle to the middle of the ring, jumps really high, hits it, dead center. Finn goes to cover. Brock kicks out at two. Not even two and a half, just two. Like, Cena style, as people would say. And then all of a sudden, he locks Finn in the Kimura lock, and eventually, Balor taps out. So the winner is still Universal Champion Brock Lesnar. After the match, Brock beats down on Balor and hits him with a bunch of suplexes, holds up his universal title, then hits the F5 on Balor before leaving. So basically, the Suplex City squash that we thought we were going to see ended up being the post-match beatdown that Brock gives to Balor for basically embarrassing him. But, as I said before, I'm glad that Lesnar won. Why am I glad that Lesnar won? Because I don't want to see, and I'm going to use the word, vanilla midgets beating Brock Lesnar. With all the destruction that Brock Lesnar has gone through. With all the craziness with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman and The Undertaker and Triple H and John Cena and conquering all these people. To have him lose to a guy like AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan or Finn Balor is a fucking joke. It is. It's a fucking joke. If Brock Lesnar drops his title to a small guy, to a vanilla midget, that's a fucking joke and a disgrace. So I'm glad that Brock walked out with the title. And hopefully at WrestleMania, he'll get a he'll get an opponent that actually looks credible enough to beat him and then he will finally lose that fucking title that he never should have got back in the first place and on that note we move on to the main event of the evening the men's royal rumble match Elias is in the ring for a song he's also the number one entrant he leads the crowd in a walk with Elias chant and he cuts a brief promo before he can start singing Jeff Jarrett's music hits and Double J comes out to interrupt now this is a classic Double J this is not the Jeff Jarrett from the Attitude Era This is the old school Jeff with the glasses and the country music like songs that he would sing like hanging with my baby tonight. That's kind of what this version is. He comes in as the J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. He's doing that classic stuff. And then it looks like him and Elias are about to do a duet in the ring before the rumble starts. So Jeff is doing his classic promo again. And then all of a sudden, Elias out of nowhere bashes Jeff with the guitar. And and then eventually he tosses Jarrett out of the ring and eliminates him. So now Elias is left standing, which... I'll be honest, I fucking hated that. I thought it was stupid. I mean, in a way, it was kind of anticlimactic, seeing as how Jeff Jarrett was known for bashing people in the heads with guitars. That was kind of that's kind of his gimmick, and in a lot of ways, still is. But I thought it was stupid because Elias is a babyface, so I don't know if this is just a situational heel turn or this is a permanent heel turn. But I felt like Elias, as as a babyface, shouldn't have done that. Now, if Elias was still a heel, if he had never turned babyface face, like when he was shooting with Corbin and everything, then I would have accepted it. I wouldn't have been okay with it, because Elias would have already been a heel going into the Royal Rumble. But going in as a baby face and not doing a duet with Jeff Jarrett is a little fucking stupid, because I thought it would have been entertaining as hell, and it would have been awesome. So the fact that WWE pissed away a great opportunity like that was pretty fucking stupid. But anyway, more as as this, as this the night goes on, more and more people hit the ring. Uh, Kurt Angle made a return, but uh, then he got eliminated. Uh, Nakamura ended up eliminating him, which was stupid. First of all, Nakamura was already in a U.S. title match, so what the fuck was he doing in the Rumble to begin with? He already won back the United States title. Oh, and now he comes in and starts eliminating Kurt Angle, which is bullshit, because I feel like Angle deserves so much better, because not only is he a legend,
legend and a Hall of Famer, but he can still fucking go in the ring. Then, of course, we saw some uh, NXT guys enter the Rumble. We saw uh, Johnny Gargano, who made a great impact in this. Uh, Alistair Black, who did a fantastic job. Also, Pete Dunne from NXT UK. He was in there. He had a great showing. Mustafa Ali. I mean, granted, he's not from NXT, but Mustafa Ali also was kicking ass and taking names. Samoa Joe was dominant at times. Kofi Kingston, of course, had his moments where, you know, he fell out of the ring. Like, one like one leg hit the ground, but the other one fell on top of his first leg, so he quickly bounced it back up. Then he put his feet on the apron and kind of used his hands to walk over to the ring steps. Then later, Xavier Woods came out, and Kofi got thrown out, but he landed on top of Xavier, kind of did like a sunset flip kind of thing where his legs went right up into the air. And then Xavier kind of picked him up. He wrapped his legs around. He kind of lifted uh, Kofi to kind of get him up the ring steps, then set him down. Then they walked into the ring, and then they were kind of celebrating before Strowman just tossed them both out. No, actually, I think it was McIntyre. Sorry. Drew McIntyre tossed them out. Then, of course, Kurt Hawkins was in there for a while, and he kind of ran around, and then he started, you know, hiding under the ring and stuff. Oh, by the way, speaking of hiding under the ring, at one point, uh, Hornswoggle came out during the Women's Royal Rumble. I forgot. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. And he was kind of chasing, um, can't remember which girl around the building. It was fucking hilarious. But, of course, uh, Kurt Hawkins eventually gets eliminated. Titus O'Neil eventually got eliminated. These were kind of like, you know, short moments. Shelton Benjamin came back, which was fucking amazing, and he lasted for quite a while. Then eventually, um, Braun Strowman came in, and, you know, and then of course Randy Orton entered at 29. But then at number 30, Our Truth comes out and he's rapping, but then Nia Jax runs out and attacks Our Truth and beats him down and heads to the ring and basically inserts herself into the men's Royal Rumble. And then all of a sudden, she eliminates Mustafa Ali, splashes on Dolph in the corner, takes out Andrade, takes out Ray, doesn't eliminate them, but knocks him out. Then Orton faces out with Nia for an RKO. Nia shoves Orton off and shoulder blocks him down. So basically, they got Nia in this match trying to dominate the men. And at first, I'm pissed off and I'm livid because I'm thinking this is some kind of women's lib sexist bullshit because in WWE, they never let the men touch the women. But they'll let the women just slap the guys around because somehow, as I said before, people have this idea in their head that if a woman hits you and you don't respond, you're a gentleman. No, you're a fucking doormat. I think that's bullshit. Then out of nowhere, Dolph Ziggler super kicks Nia. Then Ray drop kicks Nia onto the ropes. Ray hits a 619. Then Orton drops her with an RKO. Ray and Randy try to eliminate Nia, but she hangs on. So Ray drop kicks her down to the, down for the elimination. Orton hits the RKO on Ray next and throws him out and eliminates him. Andrade runs up behind Orton and eliminates Orton. Then you have Andrade and Ziggler facing off. Then Rollins and Braun are still at ringside. Braun finally gets back in the ring, drops both Ziggler and Andrade. Braun hits a splash on Andre and the, Andrade in the corner, then on Ziggler. Braun goes back outside, clotheslines Rollins down to the floor again as he fi- as he was finally getting back to his feet. Back in the ring, Ziggler and Andrade double team Braun. He finally, he finally, as he finally was getting to his feet. Back in the ring, Ziggler and Andrade double team Braun. Then Rollins gets in, hits a frog splash on Braun. Braun starts fighting them off and he throws Andrade outside to eliminate him. He clotheslines Ziggler outside to eliminate him. Rollins tries to throw out Braun, but he holds on. Rollins hits a super kick on Braun, but he still hangs on. Rollins charges at him, but Braun catches him and chokeslams him in the ring. Rollins is still fighting back as they fight out on the apron. Rollins shows Braun to the ring post, then curb stomps him on the corner and then Braun falls down for the elimination and the winner of the Royal Rumble, Seth Rollins. Rollins celebrated the match, looks up at the WrestleMania logo on the big screen as the Royal Rumble goes off the air. Okay, two things I want to talk about here. First and foremost, I love the fact that the men retaliated against Nia Jack. And I, I, I think Desmond even brought this up. This is the, probably the first time in our lives we ever saw a bunch of guys beat up on a girl and actually fucking cheered. And, I, and this is what I believe. Just in case anyone gets triggered or offended by what happened. The women want equality. Well, there's a price that comes with that. Simple as that. You can't party with the big boys. Don't show up. I've always believed this. I don't care who you are, what race you are, what gender you are, what sexual orientation you are. If you hit somebody, you deserve to get hit back. If you're strong enough to throw a punch, you're strong enough to take one. You don't want somebody to hit you, don't take a swing at them. There is nobody on this planet that is immune from that. Nobody. Nobody sits on a pedestal to where I can inflict all the violence I want and nobody can retaliate back. I don't believe in that. I believe Nia got in that ring, started smacking a bunch of guys around, and those guys retaliated, and it was entertaining as hell. I hate the fact that R-Truth didn't get to participate in the Rumble match. I thought that was bullshit. They even put Nia Jax 
Jax in the Rumble in the first place. But I can tell you right now, if Nia Jax had eliminated every guy in that Royal Rumble, I'd have been pissed the fuck off. I would have rioted like a motherfucker. I'd be, I'd, be t I'd be doing a completely different recap right now. So I'm glad that happened. That being said, here's my other thing I want to talk about. I was not happy that Seth Rollins won the Royal Rumble. I felt either Braun Strowman or Drew McIntyre should have won this Royal Rumble. Because right now, they're the only two people on the roster, other than maybe Kurt Angle, that are credible enough to face Brock Lesnar and actually win and it be believable. Now, because I know Seth Rollins has said he won that, that times he's wanted to fight Brock Lesnar. Now, Seth has not officially made a choice on which champion he wants to face. But I am really, truly hoping that Seth Rollins goes to SmackDown Live and faces Daniel Bryan or whoever else the WWE champion might be, assuming Daniel loses the title between now and WrestleMania. But as of right now, I would rather see Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan than Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. I don't want to see any more small guys. I don't want to see any more vanilla midgets getting in the ring with Brock Lesnar. Now, yes, the matches have been great. But to me, it's still fake as fuck. And you know how serious I am if I'm using the evil F word. And the F word, the evil F word, by the way, is fake, not fuck. But it would be fake as fuck. Any of the vanilla midgets to beat Brock Lesnar, especially legitimately, and take that title. Especially since the last time Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins fought one-on-one, -on -one, Brock tortured Seth Rollins and embarrassed him. And the only thing that happened was there was a disqualification because the Undertaker interfered in the match. So that's the only reason why Seth was able to survive the match and still remain WWE Champion because the Undertaker interfered, screwed him out of the match, and that led to them having another match at SummerSlam later that year. So I don't want to see Seth Rollins fight Brock Lesnar because if Seth Rollins all of a sudden and is able to overcome Suplex City and suddenly put up a fight against Brock. It's not believable to me. So I'm going to see what they do with Seth Rollins. But if they make Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar and Seth wins that title, I'm going to be pissed off. Not enough to stop watching WWE, but enough to where it's going to be hard for me to suspend disbelief with pro wrestling after that, especially with WWE. Like it's not enough. To, that's not enough to make me quit watching WWE, but it's definitely enough to make me angry and rant and rave like I normally do. Like I said, the the only thing that can make me quit watching WWE is that they dropped the ball with Becky versus Ronda. That's about it on that. So, I guess, so as I said before, hopefully tonight on Raw or tomorrow on SmackDown, we'll get more answers. But I'm really hoping if Seth Rollins, that Seth Rollins will go to SmackDown. I feel like he's done everything he can on Raw anyway. And with The Shield, pretty much no more. Because there's no chance of him and Dean getting back together anytime soon. And, you know, the time, the, the jury's still out on wh whether or not Roman Reigns will ever come back to WWE, depending on how he does with his battle against, Luke his battle with leukemia. You might as well send Seth to SmackDown Live. I'd rather he fight for the WWE title anyway. I feel like him and Daniel Bryan would have a much better match. And I feel if Seth was able to beat Daniel Bryan and become WWE Champion, it would just be fantastic all around. Alright, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up my recap of the WWE Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Overall, I give this pay-per-view... I give it a 9. 9 out of 10. This was genuinely a great pay-per-view. This is the first awesome pay-per-view I had seen in quite a while. It's been a while. It's been a while since I'd seen this great of a pay-per-view. When really the only thing I had to complain about is the Men's Royal Rumble. That was really the only one that really grind my gears. Other than that, I've enjoyed everything else that I've seen on this show. It's been fantastic. I have no complaints about anything else except the fact that Seth Rollins won the Royal Rumble. That's my only complaint. Everything else, I enjoy. And I look forward to seeing what happens on the road to WrestleMania. 35. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this review recap of the WWE Royal Rumble 2019. Of course, this is a classic episode from the SoundCloud days that I've once again brought over here to Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio to commemorate the Royal Rumble 2024, which is taking place this Saturday on Peacock. 
and at the time that I'm recording this, um, it's still August, because I'm trying to get all this done in advance, uh, so I don't have to worry about it, but my hope and prayer at the time that I'm sitting here recording this is that I will be there for the Royal Rumble. Unless some crazy shit goes down, and for whatever reason I'm not able to make it, I should definitely be at the watch party this Saturday that we will be doing live on Twitch. So, make sure you guys check us out on twitch.tv slash theboochcast this Saturday for the Royal Rumble watch party and of course I hope you enjoyed this recap that was here to commemorate this Saturday's Royal Rumble event and as I mentioned before it is the the first stop on the road to Wrestlemania and while Royal Rumble 19 was the first stop for Wrestlemania 35 this Saturday's Royal Rumble will be the first stop for Wrestlemania 40 (laughs) what a difference five years makes all right and make sure you guys uh follow the Boochcast. we're on Anchor Spotify Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites also like us on Facebook go to facebook.com slash theboochcast we have archived episodes of the show as well as great content make sure you guys check out the male soap opera moment where we'll be giving our predictions for the Royal Rumble and that will be available on the Boochcast Facebook page also make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast get the latest tweets photos and videos visit our YouTube channel check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted and of course make sure you follow us on Twitch go to twitch.tv slash the boochcast as we do our live wrestling watch parties as I mentioned before our next party will be this Saturday January the 27th for the WWE Royal Rumble 2024 it is the first stop on the road to Wrestlemania so make sure you join us for what's going to be a hellacious night and of course we have our live D&D show coming soon our Boochcast booking battle and another special project in the works and of course you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support become a supporter of the Boochcast support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes we have three levels you can donate at pick the one that works the best within your budget we have our first level which is 99 cents one dollar per month we have our second level which is 4.99 five dollars per month the same amount of money you would pay for a peacock subscription i know a lot of guys out there aren't fans of the peacock so don't give them money give us money we got better content than peacock anyway and we got the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere 9.99 ten dollars per month the same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE network subscription here in the united states ever since they sold it the peacock you got nowhere to put that 9.99 so to that 9.99 bring it over here we got better content than the network and unlike endeavor we actually care about our fans are dedicated giving the people what they want. You have the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believe this going to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over when it's all said and done we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid and until next time this is Vinny Bucci aka The Booch saying keep on living life and take care this has been The Booch Cast we'll talk to you guys next time until then pizza baby well I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye goodbye so long so long farewell farewell adieu adieu be good stay well bye bye keep warm relax and eat take care stay loose adieu mon vieux à la prochaine goodbye till when we meet again